0: 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you've received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and by his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed."
1: Welcome to today's episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast, Pastor's Corner. Today, Pastor Dennis and I are going to be looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11, different parts. But uh, we're looking at this because we wanted to kind of come back to a topic we talked about a little while ago, which is the gospel. Um the gospel is the good news it is the core of our faith it's seen throughout scripture it's seen at the very beginning although we didn't know i say we corporately not us individually that it was the gospel like it is until later um but it's an important thing and i think this is one of the uh, most succinct tellings of the gospel
0: yeah and i think it's it's crucial that we understand what the gospel actually is. Um, as, as a church, and I'm not talking about our church specifically, but just as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, we we do recognize that there are different views of what the gospel is that have gone out. There are different—the uh, gospel even has different, um, different names to it, you know? There's Uh, We talk about the prosperity gospel, we talk about the um, faith plus works gospel, we Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, the gospel, which is, you know, faith alone and Christ alone, Um, you know, we we talk about, well, how do we understand what the gospel is? Well, if we're going to be uh, informed believers, understanding what Scripture actually teaches, then we need to go, first of all, to Scripture. What does the Scriptures tell us the gospel actually is? And by doing that, Paul tells us, this is the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus Christ is who he said he is. He lived, he died, was buried, all according to the scriptures, was raised, and not only was he raised, but he appeared... To many different people. In fact, he says more than 500 people he revealed himself to, and he he uh, showed people who he was and that he was truly risen. And then the very next section of scripture, Paul launches off of that and says, "Now, if the resurrection didn't happen, then we most out of all people should be pitied, yeah. and because uh, if the resurrection didn't happen." Nothing else matters. And so the gospel is not Jesus loves you so much that he came and died. The gospel is that his death and resurrection sets you free from the weight of sin. That's Mm. the good news. The good news isn't that someone died. The good news is someone died to set you free. And so we need to understand that part of the gospel you know, the good news, how is it good news that someone died? Well, we need to understand why he died. Yeah. But in order to understand why he died, we need to understand how he lived. Because how he lived is what gave weight to his death. Because if he didn't live a perfect and sinless life, then his death was meaningless. Mm-hmm. And if he didn't really die for us, then he, and if he wasn't raised for us and, you know, raised by God, then his death. Again, his death was meaningless. If he if he didn't raise from the dead, then, you know, not to be cavalier, but who cares? You know, right. if he died and didn't raise from the dead, then just another great guy, another good teacher that came and died. And, you know, there's been a lot of good teachers that came, had some really great things to say. And guess what? They're in the ground. But Jesus isn't. Why does that matter to us? Because we talk about, we're you know, in our church we're going through James um, and understanding that it is not a works-based Gospel that James is preaching, but why does he talk so much about works? Because the gospel changes you, and so we need to understand what the gospel is, so that we can have a conversation about what the gospel does.
1: Mm-hmm. No, and and I think looking at the way that Paul presents this argument is is good, and, and I say argument. Obviously, he's not arguing, but argument as in just a debate, as a presentation of whatever. But this is a pretty common way of of the epistles in general. But I I think of. Paul's in general because it is, he is a debater, he's an arguer, he's a teacher. He was one of the 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 most educated among his uh, generation. Uh, I think he says in a few different places he says it very outright in a few places. But you know he states the let me remind you why this is important. Now here's what it is that is important, and now here's all the peace people that can testify to it and he does it in different ways in the different places, but it's that important thing that uh, today we'll talk about. We hear from the the secular world, well, it's just one person writing a letter, but he's testifying to over 500 people that saw this, yet we don't have the testimonies of those people, but we know that it wasn't just him that saw Jesus. It wasn't just one person. It was was a, a, a succession of people that it started with one and then went to another and then a bigger group and then the the full group um, and then eventually to paul even though that was after the the uh, ascension, but still it wasn't just one person
0: Right. Well, and that's the thing is There There is plenty of evidence to show that jesus really did raise from the dead and there's plenty of eyewitness accounts that show Jesus is truly alive. That matters to us because, as I mentioned earlier, if the resurrection didn't happen, then most of all we are to be pitied. Uh, you know, Paul actually speaks directly to that um, in verse nineteen uh, when he says, "If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied." Uh, Why? Because if there's no resurrection, so his resurrection proves that there's power for our resurrection. Um, So him coming back to life proves he has the power over life and death. So when he says, I come back for you, you know, I, I go to prepare a place for you, that's hope. There's good news in that and knowing that he said, if it were not so, I would not have told you, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring you there. And there's a lot of stories out there about, you know, this is reminiscent of the Jewish, you know, the young Jewish man who uh, betroths his wife and is ready to marry her. But he Goes off to prepare the home for her and to prepare a place for her, and he doesn't return until the house is prepared. And mm-hmm. once the house is prepared, he shows up, and that's why the wedding party needs to be prepared, and they need to have their their um, their lamps and their wicks trimmed so that they can be there to be the the uh, the waiting party. And uh, so all of this imagery is beautiful, but none of it matters if there's no life after this. If there's yeah. no resurrection then what's the point of all of this? Mm-hmm. why do we do what we do? it's it's all meaningless if there's no resurrection. but because jesus raised himself from the dead, there is great hope. and paul actually continues that by saying, but in fact, christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. so in adam all have died, but in christ all shall be made alive. and so Paul is, is putting together, as you said, you know, for sake of, of explanation, you know, he puts together a beautiful argument of what the gospel is and what the gospel does. The gospel gives us hope. The gospel helps us to know that this is not it. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody gets up and they start preaching a, a gospel contrary to Scripture, there's a reason why Paul says, if anyone preaches a gospel counter to this, let them be anathema, you know, let them be accursed. Let them be, you know, sent out for eternity. That's mm-hmm. that's big. Yeah, you know, that's that's a, about as strong of a statement as as we could make towards someone. But why? The gospel is of vital importance, and it's it's something that we've got to get right. Mm-hmm. God, the gospel is not pray this prayer, walk this aisle. The gospel is not check this box on this decision card. You know, that's what happens as a result of the gospel taking root in your life. You know, praying a prayer does not save you. But we've we've got a, a couple generations worth of folks that have been taught, you know, as long as you prayed this prayer, as long as you repeat it after me and said, I'm sorry, then you're going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And But if the gospel doesn't change you, then you don't have the gospel. And that's yeah. the point of what Paul's getting at is... You know, there is a gospel, and it matters that we get it right. Because the Corinthians, they weren't getting it right, and the Galatians had gone the opposite way with it.
1: Yeah, the the Galatians, that one's interesting. And, and I'm, I'm in a class, a Greek exegesis class for Galatians, so I am all in to Galatia at the moment. Uh, and in the three or four weeks of class, we've gotten through the first chapter and a half. Uh, but just digging into that. But, man, there's a lot of cursing going on in Galatia. Like his whole first thing is curse this person. And if they cur- do that, then curse that person. And and Paul, his whole thing is using that figurative language in that artful argument. Um, and I think it's it's when he doesn't, it needs to be taken uh, uh, attention to because in at Paul at Mars Hill, uh, he kind of does that. He kind of mocks them and, and isn't really making that argument anymore. And I think that is a conversation for another time, but is that it's important because of that. But, you know, in Galatians, it's if you hear another argument from me or from the angels, other than the gospel that I've already shared with you, then let them be cursed. Um, and we hear that today and we're like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. OK. But at that time, that would have been a horrific thing to hear. Like that wasn't a light statement. That wasn't like, oh, be mad at them. It was a like damn them to hell. Yeah. Kind of a statement. Uh, and we kind of need to realize that, like you said, let them be cursed, turned out for all eternity. That's not a a light thing that he's saying, and he's essentially pronouncing a curse on himself. If if I say something contrary to this, let me be cursed the same.
0: Well, and just how scripture, you know, returns back to itself. You know, Paul is the same one who later on said, "Test everything to see it, see if it's from the Spirit." Mm-hmm. You know, we're told to be Bereans to. Check the word and and study it for ourselves. You know, don't take our word for it. Search out the scripture, and you know, it's it's incredible how we have these commands in scripture. Test everything. You know, abstain from every form of evil, which I believe is talking about doctrine, and you know, looking at these different things and and working through the context of these different commands about testing scripture, testing the word, hearing what's being preached, and then returning back to the word, and making sure that what you're hearing lines up with what God has already said, and, and making sure all these things are there. It's amazing we have all of these commands, and yet we're not very good at doing that. Mm-hmm. We hear a two-minute clip on Facebook, and it's like, oh, that guy's a great go- gospel teacher. That guy's a really good Bible teacher. And it's like, yes, that two minute clip might be good by itself, Uh, but we need to be careful about the context of how these clips are being put out there because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people out there that will, preach this health and wealth gospel that you know you trust in the gospel if you ask Jesus to save you then your cancer will go away and your ailments will go away and your bank account will be increased and i can't tell you how many times i've heard you know people say well you know the bible teaches you can't outgive god the more you give the more he'll give to you so just give and give and give now normally people who say stuff like that not always cuz i do know malachi talks about giving but um but most often, the TV preachers who make those kind of statements, where is their giving that they're asking you to direct to? It's to their personal ministry, yeah. and you know who who does the prosperity uh, gospel benefit the one peddling it, um, not necessarily the people agreeing to it. And so, we need to understand what is the gospel again that that truly matters.
1: Yeah, and and. Really, that's that's the important in all of these different passages is we, we can focus on all the big high theology and, and all of that is important. Like you said, like we look at all these different things and all of the uh, epistles of the New Testament uh, with without exception, I think you can argue Maybe it's different for Revelation because it would only be the first couple chapters, but they're all correcting teaching. Mm-hmm. None of them are just Paul sending like, ah, I was thinking about this, so let me tell you about it. In fact, Jude at the beginning said, oh, I wanted to write a letter just to talk about theology, but I need to correct this first. Right. Uh, it was literally saying that,
0: but... Well, it's like the writer uh, of Hebrews, like, you guys should be much farther along by yeah. now. You know, James, like, brother, not many of you should be teachers. You yeah. Because you know that we're... But, you know, I, we'll get into that and and but at a face value, when I first hear that, I think of you know my immediate reaction. We, we you know we'll get deeper into that as we go, but but my immediate reaction to hearing something like that is when you know, brothers, not many of you should be teachers because you know we're judged at a higher standard. It's like, and I know you're teaching, so that's why I'm saying it. You know, well, Paul fought against people who are trying to come in and you know, go undermine the gospel that he was preaching and the Judaizers, Paul contended against, and, and not just Paul, but others. And, you know, looking at the, the struggle that Timothy had just dealing with the average church member and um, setting up how churches work and, and how they're supposed to be governed and, and you know, who's supposed to be the overseer and that kind of thing. There, All of this folds back onto if you have a right view of the gospel mm-hmm. then these things start to line up yeah. but if you start to if you start to undermine the gospel in any way it's almost a domino effect you start to see the changes that happen down the road and then you end up with you know an entire generation of people who can't tell you Ha- what has happened in their life that how they can know that they're saved mm-hmm. outside of a singular event you know i prayed this prayer i i threw a stick in the fire at camp when i was 14 or you know well i i don't remember when i was saved but i know i was baptized so i'm sure i'm good you know w- there should be more to the gospel than just a singular event
1: well and and that's just it. and and now when i say this i'm not actually comparing myself to paul so just No one hear that. But with Paul, he thought he was doing a good thing. He When he was, he says he persecuted the church, he didn't persecute the church to attack people because he found fun in it. He was doing it because he thought he was protecting Judaism. But he was doing something based on a wrong thought. In the same way today, if we don't understand the gospel correctly, we can do the same thing. Now, I didn't persecute the church, but I thought I was saved. And I thought what I was doing was the right way of going about things. And, well, if I follow these rules... And if I do this stuff, then I'm fine. And all I need to do if I mess up is confess. I had a very uh, Catholic mindset in that way. Then I'll be fine. And then all of a sudden I realized like, oh, wait, Uh, no, that's not right at all. Um, And I I made that realization and, and, you know, there was that stark change. Um, But it is just that we need to understand the gospel fully. It's not just saying a prayer because... A prayer is just words unless it's actually directed in that right way. Right. Um, obviously not saying that we need to be judging prayers, but uh, that, that prayer is uh, something you need to judge for yourself in a way. Yeah,
0: well, and that's another thing is is it takes maturity to, to go through those different levels of judgment mm-hmm. and looking at, you know, a lot of people, you know, well, you shouldn't judge because if you do god's going to judge you too and it's like you know yes judge not lest you be judged i heard somebody once say well <laughs> i heard somebody once they said uh, twist scripture not lest you be like satan um <laughs> and you know we can we can twist scripture oh yeah uh, and we're all i think to different levels guilty at times of kind of co-opting parts of the gospel for what we want, and we need to guard against that. But it takes maturity to understand when that's happening. You know, if you have somebody that comes to you... I mean, who doesn't want to be told, if you're sick, trust in this, and your sickness will go away? You know, but that's not what Jesus teaches. As a matter of fact, the, the gospel is, you know, trust in me, follow me, and the world is going to hate you. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they're not hating you. They're hating he who is in you. And so when the Spirit takes up residence and you start to no longer go with the flow but you are different you are changed you are a new creation you know the the darkness doesn't like the light and you know the darkness is afraid of the light and so what do we do to the things we're afraid of you know why do why do people kill spiders spiders are there to help us i don't care i don't like them so i kill them well what do we do with things that we don't like and that we're afraid of we try to kill it, right? Yeah. And so if the darkness is afraid of the light and you are the light of this world, don't be surprised that it's going to try and squish you mm-hmm. um, because that's what this world does.
1: Well, and with that, I think to add on to that metaphor of sorts, it's remembering that, you know, we're the candle that holds the light. It's a lot easier to break the candle than extinguish the, the light, uh, but it accomplishes that same thing. It, it ensues the darkness. Um, but I think the most important thing Aspect of this passage is that you don't need to understand high theology for salvation. Mm-hmm. When Paul says, Here's the gospel, you know, now remember the gospel I taught you. And just in case you forgot, here it is again. You know, he's not talking about the Trinity. He's not talking about um, all of these different eschatologies and all of these. You know, you could have a bad eschatology and still be saved. Uh, I think that's true of a lot of people, but that again, maybe is a conversation for another time. But it, he simply says, Uh, For I delivered to you the first importance uh, that what I also received. So this is, he's saying literally, this is the most important thing for you to understand that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised and on the, uh, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures in accordance with the scriptures, excuse me, and that he appeared to Cephas and then the 12 and then the 500, which you can summarize that he died he was raised and then he appeared to others uh and that appeared to others obviously is the the testifying um but so that that's the gospel that's the that's the salvation aspect of things so when anyone says that i don't know enough to go and witness no you if you understand that then you have enough to go and witness now all of those other things all of the apologetics and all of the other this that and the other things that that comes with time but you can go and witness with that that Christ lived a perfect life that he died in accordance with the scriptures was raised on the 3rd day and appeared to others that testified to his resurrection
0: right well and that's why understanding the core of the gospel is that Jesus came lived died and ascended and raised and ascended so now how do we apply that? What do we do with that? And that's where, um, you know, we need to understand what Romans 12, or excuse me, Romans ten thirteen says, and it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, calls on them for what? Mm-hmm. You know, well, there's a message uh, here from Paul, now speaking to the Romans, and I want to read this isn't a long passage but he says for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law that the person who does the commandments shall live by them but the righteousness uh, the righteousness based on faith says do not do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven that is to bring Christ down or who will descend to the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we proclaim Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, I'm going to read that again. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, so you do need to identify who you're trusting in. So there's a lot of talk about you know well making him the Lord of your life is is works based. That's not what it says. Mm-hmm. Identifying him as that's just naming your master. Right. You know the Romans would have understood if somebody comes up and they I, they see a slave out in the the yard or a slave at the, at the foyer of the house and they're like who's your master? They want to know who who runs this place? Who's in charge here? Right. You know who's your boss? And uh, so who's your boss as a as a believer? christ right if we can't identify who we're believing in because we're worried that that somehow works based salvation well we we see that in the gospel
1: like we we see that christ says that those that are ashamed of me i'll be ashamed of them before the father it's the same thing it's those that won't proclaim my name i won't proclaim their name right
0: and here it says because if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. So again, that eliminates the works-based part. You know, people look at Romans 10, 9, and they say, well, that's it might be workspace. you got to be careful. Ten ten clears that up. For with the heart one believes and is justified. What justifies us? The belief, not the works. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least not our works. Of course, we understand from a theologic, uh, theological perspective that Christ's works are what justify and make us righteous. But, and then he goes, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between... Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. What are those riches? The salvation. So salvation is not escapism. Uh, And I think that's something that we need to do a better job of sharing with people. Salvation is not simply fire insurance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's another aspect of the gospel that we've gotten wrong, that say this prayer and you won't, you know, I've heard somebody literally say, if you repeat after me, you won't burn. And it's like... Well, clearly I'm going to say whatever you tell me to say, you know, you know, gun to your head, you know, repeat after me. Yeah. If, if it'll get you to put that thing away, then sure. Mm -hmm. You know, but at the same time, John MacArthur's um, known for a lot of different things, but one of the things he uh, told a story about that uh, is remembered, he finished preaching a a message one day about salvation, about the... um, the, um, the gospel, and how it changes your life. And somebody came up to him at the end of the service, and they said, you know, Pastor John, I am very nervous about my salvation. And he said, oh, well, why? And he said, because I believe that the only reason I'm saved is because I'm afraid of going to hell. So, and he was like, so what's your problem? And he was like, well, I'm concerned that I'm not really saved. And he said, why? He said, because I'm only trusting in Jesus because I don't want to go to hell. Like, that's the only reason why I believed in him was because I didn't want to go to hell. And I'm worried that the gospel's more than that. So if my only reason for trusting in Jesus for salvation was just to get out of hell, then am I truly saved? And his response was amazing for all of his critics because they can't argue this, but, uh, but he said, that's enough and his the person was like, what do you mean? He said, that's that's enough. If you trust in Jesus because you don't want to go to hell, that's enough for salvation. You realize the punishment that's coming, and you're turning away from that and trusting in Jesus. That's enough. Mm-hmm. That's not enough to s- staying at that point yeah. for the rest of your life as a Christian. That's not enough for maturity in Christ, but it is enough for position in Christ. And so uh, I think we need to do a good job of... of or at least a better job, of discipling Christians and helping them to know, you know, if you believe that you're saved because you prayed a prayer or because you walked in the aisle, great, okay? But now let's move past that, mm-hmm. you know? for If somebody comes to me and says, how do you know that you're a Christian? I hope that my response isn't going to be... Now, if I have time to talk about it, there's a right. difference. If, you know, if I'm passing somebody in an airport and they're like, hey, do you know you're a Christian? Yep, see ya, you know, like... I'm, I'm on my way somewhere but if i have a minute to talk hopefully it would go beyond yeah you know i could give you the short version i was four when i realized i was a sinner and in need of jesus and so i trusted him for salvation um if I have longer than that, then hopefully I'll get into, but this is how my life is different in having known Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Because the gospel changes you. The gospel changes everything. We talked about that with James, that you know, he went from a person who did not believe that his brother was the Messiah to a person who clearly thought he was deranged and wanted to seize him to becoming an apostle and the pillar of the church at Jerusalem to the writer of the book of James that we have now that teaches us this... This is the gospel in action. This is the gospel applied. And so I think we need to constantly help people move in the right direction. But part of that help is helping people understand the gospel is very clear. There are people who have oversimplified it, which is hard to do um, if you understand. The gospel is very clear what what Paul wrote in the Corinthians, uh, to the Corinthians. The gospel is very clear. Jesus Mm -hmm. lived, died, was buried rose again and ascended on high and um but we simplified it to this this and now there's a term for it easy believism that you know we just make it super simple to be saved just hey just check this box and turn this paper in up up to somebody up front and you're you're saved and what it does is it creates a lot of dead people who think they're alive yeah and yeah uh, and that's dangerous because there's a lot of people that then they get into a service where somebody says your life should be different you should not look like the world because you are not of this world. And then, you know, people start to get upset and say, well, how, who are you to inspect my fruit? Yeah. You know? right, and yeah. Mm, well, I mean, Scripture is inspecting it. We're just no. applying the truth.
1: And we were talking about that idea before that, you know, the first great awakening. We hear testimonies of people that like freaked out when they heard John, Jonathan Edwards preach and like, came to faith in this very dramatic way. But then we miss his journals where he's like, yeah, most of those people fell away pretty quick. Mm-hmm. It, it was more the people that thought they were believers. I went to their house, had conversations with them, basically asking them questions to figure out if they were actually believers and then realized they weren't and came to faith. Those were the people that were the great awakening. Um, but to to this summary of the gospel, that's part of why I like and I talk about the five solas a lot and you know we hear them in latin and we hear these big giant things on them and whole books are written on them and and it's good because they are complex issues but the summary of them the phrase that they turn into when we look at it fully is basically saying this that it's by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone according to the scriptures alone to the glory of god alone that's basically what this is saying it Mm -hmm. adds in the aspect of grace that we see elsewhere uh, grace isn't mentioned here, but we know it's because of his grace. And that phrase obviously doesn't mention the, the death and resurrection of Christ, but that's assumed in it. But it's I like that phrase because it's that reminder of those aspects of it. Uh, and one of the important things in this phrase is that it reaffirms that it's according to the scriptures. That this is, it's not talking about the New Testament, it's talking about the Old Testament. Uh, the New Testament wasn't a thing yet half the books hadn't been written yet um, the the letters, the first the letter to uh, the first letter to the Corinthians was one of the earlier letters it wasn't the earliest uh, I think it was early middle if I remember correctly uh, but there, most of the letters hadn't been written yet of the the New Testament um, so it, it when it's talking about that it's referring to the Old Testament it's referring to the the you know, the original gospel in, in, in Genesis 3, it's talking about the prophets, it's talking about all of those different things, the coming Messiah, all the different places that we see him. Right. Uh, but then it's affirmed in the epistles.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, as we as we wrap it up, understanding there are so many more things that could be said about the gospel. and Maybe over time we'll we'll say them. But as you're listening, you know, if you say, "Well, why didn't you bring up this verse?" You know, uh, comment. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know. Um, we would love to hear uh, different thoughts because this is not meant. This is just meant to be a discussion between two pastors about the gospel. Uh, it's not meant to be an exhaustive, you know, uh, theological treatise. But I do want to read from John chapter three because John three sixteen is is out there, right? It's the most well-known verse. It's the verse that we see, you know, famous football players writing on their eye black and, um, you know, crazy people writing <laughs> on uh, pieces of cardboard and, and holding it up at stadiums, you know, and uh, not that all people that do that are crazy. understand what I'm saying there. Um, but, you know, if we want to get noticed, we'll just hold up a sign that says John 3.16. So J. 3.16, is that enough To get someone saved, you know, just simply writing John 3.16 somewhere, you know, God can use it, Mm -hmm. uh, but I do want to read more than just 3.16, because there is a passage that we get more insight when we don't just pick a single verse. Uh, But John tells us in John chapter 3, starting in verse 16, "...for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish." but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever be- whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment, the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. And does not come to the light, lest his works be should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now that's an incredible passage, and Mm -hmm. we never hear, you know, 17 through 20, uh, or 21... Uh, we we often hear just John three sixteen, and that's what we teach our children, right? Because hey, whoever believes in Jesus will be saved. Whoever you know uh, believes in Him who sent me, as He says in John five twenty four, is passed from death into life, and from condemnation, um, they're no longer condemned. And you know, we see these these verses, and there's the reason why there's a context here. Mm-hmm. What He's saying is not the whole world can be saved because it's just that easy. Uh, What he's saying is not the whole world gets saved. In fact, there are people who love their works in the darkness so much that they hate the light because they don't want to be exposed by the light. So they actively push against the light. But those who don't do that, those who come in faith to God through Christ, they will be saved. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't explain quickly what exactly we're being saved from, and very simply, we're being saved from, we, we talk about, we'll save from your sin. Uh, well, that's not entirely accurate, uh, because it doesn't tell the whole story. What we're truly being saved from is God himself. And what do I mean by that? When we say that you your salvation, you're being saved from God. It's because his wrath is coming. Judgment is coming. Mm-hmm. And all those who have not placed their faith in Christ... Um, will be lined up, and they will receive judgment. And there is no escaping from that judgment um, unless they have, prior to that point, placed their faith in Christ, their faith in Christ alone to save them. Not their works, not their good deeds, not their, you know, not their parents' faith, not their, you know, great-uncles or great-aunts, you know, faith. It's, their faith in Christ alone. And when I say saves them from God himself, it's his wrath. Our sin, yes, but our sin has incurred God's wrath. And uh, our salvation in Christ removes us from that grouping of people who will receive that wrath. And that is why there is now, n- therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus.
1: Now, and, th- and that's the important thing. It's important to to understand the... The simplicity of the gospel, but not not undermine it, not diminish it because of that simplicity. But instead, he made it that simple so that we could all understand and believe in it. Uh, But like you said, we're gonna, I'm sure, return to meditating on the gospel in different aspects. So if anyone has any part of it that you wish we had gone into a little bit more, or have any thought on that, just let us know, and we'll. Meditate on that and come back in a few weeks and talk about it some more,
0: yeah maybe over time we'll even do some videos or podcasts about the different um, the different anti gospels yeah you know, talk yeah
1: through. yeah they're 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 all rife with material to discuss and kind of break apart in that, but um I think. This is a good thing to remember, and it's a good thing just to remember that passage that we're saved because Christ died. Well, first, he lived a perfect life. He died, was resurrected on the third day, uh, and went to people to testify, and after his final phase of ministry, ascended to heaven. Uh, And that's an important thing. But uh, as we go from here today, why don't we end with a word of prayer? Yeah,
0: let's pray. Father, I thank you for these moments where you give us to be able to carve out some time, uh, busy schedules, busy weeks, full of exciting things to do, but yet you give us these these moments to have these conversations and and then the technology to be able to allow others to hear these conversations. And uh, So, Father, I pray that more than anything that you're glorified by the conversations, the discussions that we have, knowing that this is not meant to be a uh, exhaustive listing of the different uh, points or the different uh, arguments that we're trying to make, uh, but rather just a, uh, hopefully, a gospel-centered conversation meant to edify um, more <laughs> more than anything ourselves, um, but hopefully those who listen. And so, Father, I pray that you would be glorified, that you'd be honored, that you would continue to use us to be an encouragement to others. Uh, Father, help us to come together, understanding what the true gospel is, what we're being saved from, and why it matters, and then knowing then, since we're not saved because of good works, um, then we must be saved for good works, and help us to share that message, uh, because there's great hope in knowing that we are freed from the weight of our sin so that we can worship you and serve you all the more. So, Father, I pray for those listening. I pray for Pastor Caleb, I pray for uh, this church, Milani Baptist Church. Father, you continue to use us again for your glory and your honor for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this meditation on the gospel. I hope that it was edifying to everyone who listened. Uh, and if you want us to go further into this topic and have a, a thought or suggestion or an area that you'd like us to discuss uh, or want us to talk about something else, uh, please email us at pastormbaptist.org so that we know that and we can look at it and have a discussion on it and, uh, down the road. Uh, we want to know what people are thinking and be able to... Uh, pour into that in whatever way we can. If you have any prayer requests whether or not you're a member of our church or a part of our church community or or even on the island or in our state we want to be praying with and for each and every person that we can be. Uh, So for any prayer requests please email us at prayer at mbaptist.org and you can mention if you want us to Uh, put that out there to the whole church, or if you want us to keep it private, just mention it in the email. For more information on Mililani Baptist Church, please visit our website at mbaptist.org or follow us on social media and YouTube. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you'll join us again next time.